Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. I'd like to thank you for joining us today as we continue our series on the Holy Spirit in Family Life. And today's show is entitled, The Answer to the Yearning of the Human Heart. And before I get to that yearning of the human heart, I need to talk about something else which uh, is almost a substitute for that fulfilling of the human heart, namely alcohol and drug abuse, particularly amongst young people. Did you know that 75% of all high school seniors report being drunk at least once? And I guess you know that drunkenness is widespread on college campuses, but did you know that there's a strong drinking culture on most of the so-called conservative Catholic campuses? These campuses are not immune. They're not a cure-all for temptation. And I'm not saying all the students, but there's a significant group of students on most all of the well-known conservative Catholic campuses. In fact, I remember one college freshman coming back for Christmas break from one of the fine Catholic colleges, and this young woman's parents had sacrificed greatly to send her off to a a good Catholic college. And when she was asked what she experienced in her freshman year away, and again, this family had sacrificed so much to get her there, she was just over-enthused with talking about mixed drinks. And I'm thinking to myself, is that what your parents are paying for? Is that really what you're bringing home from your Catholic college experience? And now parents, not only with the alcohol problem, but with the continuing spread of marijuana legalization and with the media focusing on it, the rates of marijuana amongst Catholic youth are just going to increase. And basically, both of these seeking fulfillment through drugs or through alcohol, or for both at the same time, is simply a symptom. And that, in fact, is the premise of this radio show, that alcohol abuse and drug abuse amongst youth are really symptoms of a much deeper problem, and that deeper problem are unfulfilled desires, and there's an inner emptiness that nags the human heart unless it's filled the proper way. Probably everybody has heard of the Rolling Stones' 1965 hit, Can't Get No Satisfaction. It's ranked number two of the 500 best rock and roll songs of all time, and it's still popular. Why? Because not only the 60s generation, but for the generations following the 60s generation, people aren't finding satisfaction even though they're looking for it in every which way they can. And if you're really searching as a parent, as a reliable way and a deep, profound way to prevent and or cure alcohol abuse and drug abuse, what you really need to do is provide satisfaction for that inner emptiness. And you probably know where I'm going now with St. Augustine's famous quote, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And again, the 
symptoms of drug abuse and alcohol abuse are, in fact, basically misguided attempts to fulfill what St. Augustine was talking about. The Catechism of the Catholic Church in section 27 says basically the same thing. Quote, the desire for God is written in the human heart. Only in God will he find the truth and happiness he never stops searching for. It's so to speak in our inner DNA, God has placed a certain desire for happiness, for fulfillment, and the heart is always looking for that. And where do you find that? Well, it's God's love is what we are looking for, and not something like a theoretical, theological proposition in the abstract, but an experiential reality that is just as real as this morning's sunrise. St. Paul could say to the first Roman Catholics in his epistle to the Romans, chapter 5 and verse 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. This is the key to fulfilling what St. Augustine wrote about, and this is the key to fulfilling the heart of both adults and youth, but particularly youth, are on this search. They're starting out in life, and God has made them to enter this search, and we have to guide them in a way that they find fulfillment. Now, I'd like to share with you a very interesting pair of scriptures that basically supports what I've been saying as far as the premise for this show, that drug abuse or alcohol abuse or both are basically symptoms of an inner emptiness, a search for happiness. The first scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17, where St. Paul says, don't be foolish, and verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine. But the second half of the verse says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. What an interesting combination of exhortations. A, don't get drunk with wine. B, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in fact, a very literal translation of Ephesians 5.18 is be continually, be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, these are two ways to try to find that inner happiness, that inner pleasure that God has placed in a certain sense a vacuum in the human heart, and the human heart isn't going to rest until it finds this. So there's two ways to find this. A, what St. Paul calls the foolish way, getting drunk with wine. And millions of Catholic youth are doing just that. They're trying to fulfill the desire that God has implanted within their hearts in a foolish way by getting drunk. St. Paul says, no, that's not the way. The answer is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I dare say, with all the talk about preventing drug abuse and alcohol abuse, you probably haven't heard this particular perspective, that the Holy Spirit is the answer to people trying to fulfill happiness in the wrong way. And then there's the outstanding example, just like Ephesians 5, that comes from the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost from Acts chapter 2. It said, when the day of Pentecost had come, there came a sound from heaven like the 
rush of a mighty wind, tongues of fire descended upon all of the disciples. And it says in Acts 2-4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were proclaiming the great praises of God. And people from all over the Roman world were there for the great feast on the day of Pentecost. And they were amazed and they were saying, what does this mean? But some people who were observing this said the following, quote, they are filled with new wine. In other words, the only experience they had for somebody having so much fun and pleasure and happiness was getting drunk. And of course, that can kind of leave you unhappy in the short term, namely the next morning, or maybe the things you do while drunk. And certainly a lifetime of this will bring profound unhappiness. But the mockers who were standing by on the day of Pentecost basically confused being filled with the Holy Spirit with being filled with new wine. And that's when the first pope stood up, the first sermon in the Christian church. And St. Peter declared that God says in the last days that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And then specifically, he says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. In other words, it won't just be a certain prophetic class. It won't just be a certain priestly class, but upon all God's people, and not just adults, but upon your sons and your daughters will the Holy Spirit come. And I dare say that those who are out getting drunk are simply trying to fulfill the desire that God has placed within them, but they're doing it in a foolish way. God made the human heart to seek out not just ordinary pleasures, which are fine if in moderation and legal, but he also made the human heart to have what I call ultimate pleasure. That is an experience of God himself. And that's what the Holy Spirit brings. It's not sentences and propositions in a textbook, and those are good. I have my library filled with propositions in theological textbooks, but the Christian faith is more than that. It's an experience of God. And if we don't experience it, we head off in vain pursuits of excessive pleasures here and there. And basically, you can try booze, you can try drugs, you can try money, you can try stuff or whatever else it is, but it doesn't satisfy your hunger. And eventually, you become very disillusioned and burn out the harder you try. And that's why the Holy Spirit, given the cultural condition of our country, and basically throwing every conceivable pleasure, hedonistic pleasure, at young people. And to think that, um, let's just say you're homeschooling a fifth grader and this is never going to hit my child. Believe me, they're going to have to choose the right group of friends, even if you send them off to one of the good Catholic colleges. Because there is going to be a group that's not finding any pleasure in God, it's finding it in a bottle instead. And how sad that is. So, what we need to do is focus more on the dimension of the experienced reality that the Holy Spirit brings of the love of God the Father and Jesus Christ, his Son. Now, 
you know, I took a sabbatical in faith and family, took a time to refocus and relaunch. And right here in my radio studio, I want you to know that I'm looking at an icon, and the icon's looking at me, of a saint by the name of St. Simeon. And it's not by chance or accident or Philip Wall space that I put up this icon of St. Simeon, because to me, he is the person to guide us into this living experience with God, which we need in today's world. He's the guy for the 21st century, even though he lived around the year 1000. And you probably never heard of St. Simeon. He's a saint in the Orthodox Church. Pope Benedict XVI, in his general audience of September 16th, 2009, gave his weekly audience on Simeon the new theologian. And you can Google Benedict XVI and Simeon, the new theologian, and find out what he says. But be aware, in the Orthodox Church, there are only three canonized theologians. One was a fisherman without academic theological training. That's St. John. And the, the second of the three was St. Simeon. And he did read theological books, but he claimed that what his knowledge of God came to him without the formal academic training as we would know it. And he's called the new theologian because he could speak and teach about God. From a direct experience, the Holy Spirit brought to him about God. It wasn't secondhand or thirdhand information. And that's really what you want to do as a parent today. It's not enough for sending young people out into the world, even a conservative Catholic campus. It's not enough to send them off with a second or third-hand experience of God. They need the Holy Spirit in their hearts, just like the Holy Spirit was in the hearts of the first Roman Catholics, as St. Paul said in Romans 5.5, the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. But anyhow, back to Pope Benedict. He said, Simeon focuses his reflection on the presence of the Holy Spirit in those who are baptized and on the awareness they may have of this spiritual reality. Simeon, the new theologian, insists on the fact that true knowledge of God does not come from books alone, but from the spiritual experience, the spiritual life. Knowledge of God stems from a journey and this is beautiful for Lent and, well, any time of year, but knowledge of God stems from a journey of interior purification, which begins with conversion of heart, passes through profound repentance and sincere sorrow for one's sins. You see, the sacrament of confession can be so much more than simply kind of going down a checklist and seeking Christ's forgiveness for what we've done and, you know, don't get me wrong, it's great that we don't want to go to hell for serious sin and we confess those sins, but there should be at some point in our lives a certain brokenness that comes from just the fact that we've offended God himself, who made us, who loved us, who offers us salvation. If we're baptized, he's welcomed us into his family. And that's what we're talking about here, and that's what Pope Benedict was talking about and teaching about St. Simeon profound repentance and 
sincere sorrow for one's sins that brings one close to Christ, union with Christ. And then he winds up with this, and hear this. For Simeon, such an experience of divine grace is not an exceptional gift for some mystics, but the fruit of baptism in the life of every serious, committed, faithful. And this is where he was such a revolutionary. It wasn't this experience of God wasn't just those for those living in monasteries and praying all day. It's for moms changing diapers and feeding kids and patching up cuts with Band-Aids all day. It's for fathers who are out there working 10, 12-hour shifts to try to support a family. It's for all of those basically with Christ in their hearts no matter where they are in life. And Pope Benedict XVI goes on, this holy Eastern monk calls us all to attention to the spiritual life, to the presence, the hidden presence of God within us. This isn't seeking something that's on some mountaintop somewhere or hidden somewhere or whatever. You need some kind of magical type thing. This is implanted within us in baptism, but we need to seek to draw near to Christ and allow this to explode in our lives. What this is called, at least in the most simplest terms, I would call this the Abba Father experience. St. Simeon basically experienced, and he said, this is for every single Christian, is what St. Paul wrote about in Romans 8, where St. Paul said, the Holy Spirit goes to the very deepest parts of our being and pours within us the love of God. And this exceeds words. He says there's even kind of a, a groaning. And think of blessed John Paul II leaning on his staff and just praying a certain groans in the Holy Spirit. There's something deep within that can be tapped by the Holy Spirit that brings us this close union with Christ. This is what we all need to, to survive in the 21st century. This isn't just for people in monasteries. This is something that's essential for living in such a wicked world that we do. Going on just a little bit more, Pope Benedict in his addresses at World Youth Day in Sydney, I've referred to several times as essential for parents raising young people. And on World Youth Day, if a pope speaks to something, he wasn't like scratching his head, hmm, what shall I tell the kids when I'm down there in Australia? No, he was being guided by the Holy Spirit to bring to the table what's needed for youth in the modern world. And he says this, let us ask that the power of the Holy Spirit revive the grace of our own confirmation. He said, may each of us be renewed in the Spirit. In other words, stir up that which is within us, asking God to bring it to life. And he says, may this 23rd World Youth Day be experienced as a new upper room for all of us, and not just those who attended World Youth Day in Sydney, but all of us listening to this broadcast. Hear this. Hear this very clearly. Notional, abstract, or theoretical affirmations to religious propositions are not enough to empower our children to navigate the storms that are blowing across our country. An abstract faith will not satisfy a teenager's or young adult's deep yearnings within the heart. 
They need a living, experiential reality of God, and God is fully able, fully willing to provide this. Now, some practical things. First of all, make sure whoever's teaching your children, a catechist, uh, somebody teaching confirmation class, keep them far away from what I call vinegar Catholics, and they're out there. And I must say, it's very rare that I end up laughing out loud when I read an apostolic exhortation, but Pope Francis has a way of just kind of putting things into very blunt words. He said the following, an evangelizer, and again, I include any teacher or catechist or confirmation class teacher, an evangelizer must never look like someone who has just come back from a funeral. I laughed out loud. I call them vinegar Catholics. If, if they don't have the joy of Christ, which comes from the Holy Spirit, they're not effective teachers at all because they're going to be teaching abstract truths, which are true, which are helpful, but they will not satisfy the deep yearning of the human heart. The joy of Christ comes from union with Christ through the Holy Spirit. Now, this might actually sound decadent or almost decadent, but do you realize that we're actually to enjoy pleasure from our union with God? Listen to Psalm 16. Therefore, my heart is glad. My soul rejoices. Thou dost show me the path of life. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. In thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is Christianity. You see, with God, and this is what the Holy Spirit does, he brings us close to God the Father through Christ, an experience of absolute joy in the presence of God. That's what the human heart was made for. That's what the Catechism in St. Augustine was talking about. And that's why kids who are out getting drunk are searching for, and it won't fill up their hearts no matter how much they drink. When I returned to college after the Navy, I was studying theology and basically uh, with a few friends that also kind of were doing their second try at college. And we were studying in a very intense way uh, Greek, theology, church history, Scripture studies, I mean, we were going at it. Uh, uh, let me give you my Saturday schedule. Uh, I was up probably 6.37, hit the cafeteria as soon as it opened, and hit the library as soon as it opened, studied mostly Greek until noon so I could read the New Testament, the original languages, and then studied the rest of the afternoon, other courses, until the library closed at 5 o'clock. And uh, sometimes I kept going till rather late Saturday night. That was just Saturday. And uh, I didn't always feel this way. Um, in fact, my grade point average doubled, so that doesn't say a whole lot for my um, college before then, because I had basically messed around in high school and college. But And I knew I had to hit the books, and I had uh, kind of uh, many lost years where I had just goofed, goofed off to kind of catch up with. But I instinctively knew that has hard as I was hitting the books that the books were not enough. So uh, a few of us um, 
would get together on Saturday night. We wouldn't go early because we kind of waited till things really got going crazy. But we'd go down to Oceanside, California in the 70s. It was pretty wild back then. There was major drug dealing. There was um, fornication taking place on the streets. There was a Satanist basically store, a cult store right on Main Street. And we knew we needed to get out of the ivory tower and share Christ in kind of a what should I say, non-ivory tower experience. We didn't want to become dead preachers by just studying theology out of a book, but we wanted to kind of take it to the street. One night we were down in Oceanside, and there were three people coming in off the beach, two guys and a girl, and it was my turn to uh, approach them. And I handed them a little red track that was a collection of Bible verses, and I said, hey, would you like one of these? It's about Jesus. As soon as I said that, uh, one of the three just took him one or two seconds, wound up like a corkscrew, and spit all over my face. I've never had such an experience happen. And all my friends who were with me kept saying, Steve, are you okay? And you know what? Um, I couldn't talk. I literally could not talk for I don't even know how long it was. Uh, it might have been only 30 seconds or two minutes. I don't know because I, at that moment, I had no experience of time. But I did experience in a very, very neophyte way what Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, In this you rejoice, now for a little while you may have to suffer various trials. But without having seen him, you love him. But you believe in him and rejoice with unutterable and exalted joy. I experienced literally nanoseconds after being spit in the face for trying to share Jesus with what we later assumed was a demon-possessed guy. I experienced such joy, I literally could not talk. I was overwhelmed, and it took a nanosecond to descend on me, and I'm thinking, whoa. You know, and as I say, I'm just a neophyte in this, but I think what Simeon, the new theologian, was trying to tell us that there are dimensions to the Christian life, and you may have a greater desire for pleasure and happiness and fulfillment in life than others. I think there's varying degrees of this. If you're really searching, it's really there. You don't have to find it in a bottle. You don't have to find it in a marijuana joint. You can find it in Christ, and your heart's don't have to be restless. They can rest in Christ. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. You've been listening to Faith and Family episode 21. Till next time, this is Steve Wood, and you can find us on the web at familylifecenter.net. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.